0: Good morning. Good. Yes, it is a good day, is it not? It is a good day to have a good day. And uh, you know what? I was thinking about this earlier as I was kind of preparing for today. And I was thinking about what people might say when they come to Beecher Island, and what you might hear. And I've heard people say that, man, I come to Beecher Island and I hear a message, and it, it just it gives me this feeling in my heart. I've, I've even heard people say. The reason that they really like coming to Beach Island is because of the worship team. And I'm not trying to put myself on a pedestal at all because I'm part of that. But I'm just saying that the people say that. They, you got this feeling in your heart, man, and it just lifts you up. And what a good thing. That is from God, right? But this morning, I want to challenge you. Get the emotion out of it for today. Get the emotion out of it. Get 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 away from the feeling of what it means to come to Beecher Island and come to this church. And what I want you to concentrate on is... A, and and every day, every time that you come here, are you hearing the word of God being preached from up here? Is it truth? The songs that we sing up here on this stage, it doesn't matter who wrote them, where they came from, the times that we spend when Grandma Judy's on the on the piano in the mornings and we're singing hymns, are we hearing the word of God being preached in this place? That is what is to fill your heart. It's awesome to have the feeling, but this morning, just set that aside for a second. Are you hearing the word of God? And I'll tell you what, that makes it. I, I better have my ducks in a row, <laughs> so that I'm not preaching preaching false, false stuff. But man, uh, what a what a good good morning! And I don't care about the feeling part of it. It's just a good morning because we have God, because we have Jesus, and He is amongst us, and that is awesome. So, a few a few new faces in here, and we love to have you. Welcome to Beecher Island. Uh, let me introduce Beecher Island to you. Beecher Island is an independent, non-denominational, Jesus-loving, Bible-preaching church. And that is what we are going to stand in and what we continue to be. And and I, I love being part of it. You come here and you hear truth. And, and I pray this morning that that's what you hear again this morning. So um, if you remember like a month ago, I was filling in for Corey for two Sundays in a row when we were in Revelation 3. And we're going through the message of the church to the church of Laodicea. We're going to be back in there again today because I still haven't uncovered everything that needs to be covered. And and I got the blessing from Jeff I get next Sunday too because I'm still not going to get it covered. I got one more verse to handle and I can't get it all covered today. So um, turn your Bibles to Revelation three. And as you're turning there, let's go to Him in prayer, Heavenly Father. Uh, Lord, we just we just thank you for this place. Uh, we thank you for this body of believers, this family that we get a fellowship with God. And this morning, um, I just pray that that the words that come out of my mouth glorify you. Lord, uh, anything false falls on deaf ears, that that doesn't get taken. But God, I just pray that the Spirit uh, speaks this morning. And Lord, uh, whatever whatever you've laid on my heart, I just pray uh, that, that I can say it the way that you would have me say it. And God, just just let your Spirit enter this place. Let us feel you. Uh, let us know you. Let us know you more this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to be in Revelation 3, jumping around just a little bit here and there. I'm going to do a a quick, I'm going to talk fast, so hopefully you can keep keep up. If you weren't here, uh, you're going to get the abbreviated version. How does that sound? Um, But we're uh, we're starting in, in verse 14 again, chapter 3. This is Jesus' message to the church of Laodicea. Remember that The book of Revelation was written by the Apostle John on the prison island of Patmos, and he had this revelation of the second coming of Jesus Christ, and and it's all laid out in the book of Revelation. And this message to the church of Laodicea is what we're going to be talking about today. And so if you remember, it says, uh, To the angel of the church of Laodicea write, The amen, the faithful, and true witness, the beginning of creation of God says this. Remember that Jesus is, is telling us who he is. It is me, it is Jesus, I am God, I'm 100% God, 100% man, I was there in the beginning, I was there when when creation happened, it's Jesus, he's saying, I'm the deity, I, I am God, I want you to know that's who's writing this letter to you, and it goes on to say, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot, I wish that you were cold or hot, so because you are lukewarm, and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. And remember, this is the this is the scripture that we all struggle with as Christians because we think it has everything to do with the temperature of how on fire we are for Christ. And as we dove into it and what God revealed to me is that it has nothing to do with the temperature of your faith. Remember that there was three towns. Laodicea was in the center. Colossae was off to one side. Hierapolis was on the other. Laodicea was a town that had a huge banking industry. They were on a main trade route. Uh, they were big into textiles. They made ointment for your eyes. They did all this stuff. They were a rich place, and there was this tunnel or this, uh, this pipe that brought water into this town for all their textile making. And when it got there, it was lukewarm, and it was also tainted with nasty amounts of sodium carbonate. If you drank that water, it would make you puke. Nasty, right? <laughs> Off to the side was Colosse. They had the stream running into it. it was It was cold really good water for your thirst, to quench your thirst. And then on the other side, it was Laodicea. Laodicea was, or not, so. I'm sorry, Heropolis was on the other side of Laodicea. And they were known for their hot springs. It was thick with minerals. If you went and you sat in those hot springs that were thick with minerals, you would have some sort of healing. If you had ailments in your body, you could go there and be healed. So that's what Jesus was saying. Don't be lukewarm. Be hot or cold. These things that I have given, these the, be good. Be good like Colossae or Heropolis. Don't be lukewarm, because I will vomit you out. So as we as we continued on, because you say, I am rich, I have become wealthy, and I have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, and blind, and naked. Man, he's telling them what they are. Whew. <laughs> they thought they had it all figured out. They thought they had everything. They didn't need God. They went to church. I guess they were just checking a box. But remember, we talked about last time that I spoke that, this was a church of non-believers. There wasn't a believer in there. And all the other messages that Jesus wrote to the other six churches around that area, there were believers in those. We could tell the good things that they were doing by reading those messages. They needed tweaked a little bit. But in this one, there wasn't anything good that they were doing. So we could argue that this was a church of non-believers. And he's saying, you don't get it. You, you say that you're rich. You say that you're, you you got everything that you need. But you are blind and you are poor and you are naked. And so we go on and he says, I advise you to buy from me gold refined by the fire so that you may become rich in white garments so you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed and I have to anoint your eyes. Jesus is saying, quit worrying about the riches that you have. Remember, I think it's in 1 Peter chapter 2, it says uh, that your faith is worth more than gold. Even gold will, will go away after a time but your faith is worth more than gold is. He says, come get that. Come get that gold. And he says, these white garments. Remember, in Laodicea, in these, in these textile industries that they had, they, they made garments and they made carpets and all this stuff, and the garments were made out of black wool that they could knit so tightly together that it was waterproof. It was some high-quality stuff. And Jesus, Jesus is saying, no, come to me and I will give you a white garment. Remember, when we talked about that he has this white garment that we are washed white as snow when we are forgiven of our sins. And there's only one way we be. Sorry, my brain's getting ahead of my mouth. Uh, there's only one way that we become clean, and that is by the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ. That is how we get the white garment. Um, and it goes on to say, and eye salve to anoint your eyes. They made eye salve there. If you had something wrong with your eyes, I guess you could put this stuff on there. And, and Jesus is saying, hey. Come to me and I'll open your eyes. Let me open your eyes. That's what he's saying. Um, 19 says, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, therefore be zealous and repent. We're going to handle half of that today. It goes on and says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. And remember, a lot of times we think of Jesus as this humble servant, um, this possibly poor, hungry man. And so when we look at this verse, we're thinking, well, yeah, we need to, you know, I'm the head of this household. We need to go and open the door and let him in. And we need to make sure that we feed him and do all these things. He's saying, no. Remember last time? Who is the head of the church at Laodicea? Does anybody remember? Say it with me. Jesus. Jesus is the head of the church at Laodicea. Who is the head of the church at Beecher Island? Amen. Amen. He is the head of the church. He is the master over that. So he's saying, I'm, I'm the one that owns this deal. If you know my voice, I'm going to knock. And if you know my voice, you can come in. Or you're going to let me in, and you, then you can serve me. He is the head, okay? It goes on to say, he who overcomes, I love this part. He who overcomes, I will grant to him, sit down with me on my throne. Whew. He says, man, you, you get all that stuff cleaned up, and I've got a place prepared for you. Okay, so that was the... That was the abbreviated version of the last, the last two Sundays that I was able to stand up here and bring the message. So today we're going to dive into uh, verse 19. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. And that's as far as we're going to get today. I thought I could get this all covered in one Sunday, but there ain't no way. There ain't no way I'm going to be able to get to all of it. And, and I don't even think I'm going to get... I, I think I'm just hitting the tip of the iceberg on discipline. I'll just tell you that right now. So, um, But we start there, and it, to those I love... I reprove and I discipline. I, I was, I've was i done a lot this whole week. I've told you guys this has been a whole wrestling match with God. Every time it seems like I come up here and I have something that I want to say, but God, He intervenes. And He's like, well, what about that? And I'm like, well, yeah, but what about this, God? And He's like, well, what about that? He always comes out on top, but it has been a wrestling match. I have studied. I have looked things up on the internet. I've had conversations. I've done all this stuff to try to figure out what this means. But um. The easy part, I feel like, is what does it mean to reprove? And if we go back, basically, it means to rebuke. It means to tell you you're you're out of line. You're not doing something quite right. And if we reprove or we rebuke, we correct somebody. We correct their heart. We get them back on the straight and narrow. And that's what God is saying that he's going to do. And I'm going to tell you this morning that there might be some things that I say up here today. There's a good chance it could offend you. I hope it doesn't. And I hope by the end of this that we can all come together in a common ground and know how much Jesus loves us. But he will rebuke us. And it says that. Um, Proverbs 3.12 says, For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. That can be kind of harsh. That can be kind of gritty. Because I think I'm a pretty good guy. And God says that if he loves me, he's going to correct me. I understand I am probably need corrected, but sometimes I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that I need corrected. But he says that he will, that he's going to rebuke us, he's going to correct us. He's going to correct and he's going to discipline us. He's going to discipline us. And I'm telling you this, this is where the big wrestling match came in. I remember... Um, I'm going to say it right off the beginning. I think that there is a huge, huge difference between discipline and punishment. It is not the same thing. It is not the same thing. And I think I've dove into Scripture enough that I I can see the distinction between the two, and we're going to dive into that. Um, but, But if we talk about discipline, that is a scary word. That is a scary word, especially I remember being a kid. And my folks, they loved me. I didn't like the way they loved me (laughs) sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes it was a little paddle on the rear end. And uh, and sometimes it was being grounded. I couldn't go ride my bicycle. I couldn't go ride my horse. Mom, what else did you do? I'm just kidding. (laughs) But it was because they loved me and my brother. What was really awesome is I got to see my older brother get disciplined, and I could learn from his discipline. That was pretty cool, too. (laughs) We won't get into that. but anyway, they loved me. And I didn't like it. I didn't like it as a kid, but looking back now, I remember I remember times we had 4-H hogs. And and uh, I remember a few times when I was a young kid, We, me and my older brother, we'd go out there to feed our 4-H pigs, and we'd get to mess around on our bicycles or something, and we would forget to feed our pigs. I guarantee that only happened once or twice when we didn't get supper that night because we didn't feed our pigs, right? I mean, that happened. Discipline happens, and we didn't like it, but now looking back on it now, I've got a son who has pigs, and he knows that if he, if he don't feed them pigs, there's a good chance he's going to be hungry for a night too. We don't like it, but as a parent, and on this side of it, I, I understand how important it is that we discipline our children. How important it is we've got to discipline our children we've got to keep them on the straight and narrow we have to do they, they've got free will they're going to do what they want to do at different times but me as a parent I have got to figure out how to how to help them grow them up raise them up in the Lord and the good things of this life don't go astray so now I turn the camera to myself or or someone who is a new believer and you hear the word discipline and whoo I don't like that. But as we grow in our faith, we understand how important it is that we are disciplined and how good it is to be disciplined. It's a correction of your heart. Discipline is a correction of your heart. Uh, Hebrews Hebrews 12, 4 through 11. It says, therefore, uh, let's see, 4, 12, 4. It says, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed You as sons, my son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. It says it again. This is the third time we've heard it this morning. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. And he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as the sons. I'm sorry, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? I'm gonna. I'm gonna read one more here. But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are children and not sons. If we are not disciplined by God, we are considered illegitimate children. What a scary place to be! Remember, there's the scripture that says um, that we are adopted sons and daughters. We are adopted by God. When we come to Him, when we come to get to know Him, when, when we accept what He has given us, we are adopted sons under His grace. And we are co-heirs with Christ. We know where Christ went. He went to the right hand of His Father. Later on in, in this revelation that we're talking about, He says, you can come and sit with me. He's prepared a place for us. There is a place. We don't have to die. We, we, we get to go to heaven and be with Him in glory. We are co-heirs with what Christ got to have. We are, we are brothers with Christ. Brothers and sisters. How, how amazing is that? He goes on to say, Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time and uh, as seemed best to them, but He disciplines us for our good. So that we may share in His holiness. You start seeing this picture that he's painting. Discipline is, it's okay. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. And so, the biggest question that I had, I'm like, God, okay, I'm all right with that. I'm okay. Like, I I understand. It's good. It's okay for me to be disciplined. My biggest question was, not I remember studying one night, and I, we went to bed, and I was talking to Andrew, and I said, How? How does God discipline us? And we had this sh- this conversation. And I remember I remember sitting sitting here in this place, a Sunday school uh Bible study, whatever the first thing we do is. I can't even think of it. But I was sitting back there and we were talking about discipline versus versus punishment. And and there's a lot of a lot of ideas about how God disciplines us. And 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 there's this idea that if bad things happen to us. I'm not saying anybody in here believes it necessarily but I'm I'm saying that something that, that that some people believe is that if something bad happens to us that we are receiving discipline from God if if you wreck your truck if you get diagnosed with cancer if you have a a daughter that is born without all of her chromosomes if uh, the list can go if we're in a drought. Is God disciplining us? Is he punishing us? And I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm just going to say the short answer what I think that I, I I discovered. God is good, right? Why would God want to impart on us something that's evil? I don't see it. I don't see it. Remember, because back in Genesis, there was the Garden of Eden, this place that was beautiful and amazing. And it was perfect. There was nothing wrong with it. And then who walked, who crawled in? Satan. And when Satan entered, when sin entered this world, that is when the bad things started happening. We are in a fallen world. There is sin all around us. And I'm not saying specifically about your sin, but we are in a sin driven world. Satan is the ruler of this world. That's just the way that it is. Bad things are going to happen. But God didn't necessarily send him there. I don't believe that God puts bad things on us. It's just what happens because we live in this world. So then people say, okay, but God allowed that to happen. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree there. God easily could have just stepped in the way and said, no, this ain't going to happen. Sometimes it still happens anyway. So how does God discipline us? Discipline if we are divined, it is a correction of the heart that leads to life. Discipline is a correction of the heart that leads to life. On the other hand, punishment is death. Punishment is destruction. Punishment is eternal damnation. And I'm going to say this, if you are worried about whether you're punished or or whether you are uh, being disciplined, I'm going to say this. If you're worried about punishment, if you are a believer, if you were a believer in Jesus Christ, you're sitting in this room here today, you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I want to tell you this. Punishment has already been taken care of right up there on that cross. Punishment is already done. We don't have to worry about the punishment anymore because it has already been taken care of. Remember Jesus Christ? Remember when he... Got thrown on the ground and he was beat and he was scourged and he was I mean, all the stuff we, we hear about it all the time, right? He got he he got tortured in the most hideous ways. The crown of thorns being placed on his head. He had to pack his own cross up the hill. They got up there, they nailed him to that cross. He said a few more words. There was a there was a period of time that went by and he died. Jesus died as a punishment for all of the sin in the world, including the stuff that you commit on a daily basis, the things that aren't good, the things that or against god that was taken care of by the punishment that was dealt to jesus christ on the cross it was his work and he did it because why he loves us he did it because he loves us that punishment is taken care of so that's what i want you to know that discipline is not punishment every time that i read the word punishment in my bible and i'm i'm sure i didn't go through every single one of them but every time that i read punishment it had to do with total destruction gone wiped off this earth because they are so far they're bad bad people discipline has to do with everything that is good discipline has to do with us believers what what are we doing God's going to discipline us because he loves us Here's the deal just because you're a Christian does not mean that life is going to be easy. Not once does it mention that in the Bible. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that life is going to be easy. John 16, says, in the world, I'm sorry, I'm going to start a little earlier. It says, in me, you may have peace. In the world, you have tribulation. But take courage, I have overcome the world. Jesus tells us right there, he was the man. He's, he's, our, he's, he's our salvation. He's the prince of peace, but he tells us, in this world, you're going to face some struggles, some troubles in this world. But he says, remember that you, that in me, you have the peace. You're not going to find that in the world. You, you find it in me. James 1.23 says, consider it pure joy, my brethren, when you face trials. Again, it tells us we're going to have trials. That's all there is to it. We're going to face trials, but consider it joy because we have the peace of Jesus Christ trials of many kinds, knowing that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. The testing of your faith produces perseverance. My faith gets tested on a regular basis. And I don't like it, (laughs) but it does. And and every time that your faith gets tested, whether it's something that's sinful, that, that you're struggling with, or whatever that might be, it's a testing of your faith. And you know what, sometimes we don't pass that test with a with a 100% flying colors A++ plus. Sometimes we just get an average C on it, but we've got to pass it. And every time that we pass that test, every time that we 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 change our minds of how we act react to a situation or every time that we um this this sin is there and we we wipe it away, it produces perseverance in us for the next time that it comes comes along. We have perseverance. And we have another chance to be tested. We have another chance to do it right. And God's saying, "Hey, Come to me. Come to me. Hearts, reaction to a given situation. That is how I believe that God disciplines us. You see, it has nothing to do, this is just a cowboy's interpretation, my opinion. Maybe it matters to you, maybe it don't. But this is what I learned from God. It has nothing to do with God placing hardship on you. It has nothing to do with Him wrecking your, tr- or not Him, wrecking your truck. It, it has nothing to do with this drought that we're in. It has nothing to do with with uh, a special needs child. It has nothing to do with if you have cancer. But it has everything to do with how you react to the situation in the world. Everything to do with how you react to it. I'm going to tell you what I went through, some pretty serious discipline last summer, and we're in a drought. Like it's not good, and Andrea and I's books. There's a lot more red in it than I would like to see, and I'm worried about what we're what we're going to do. What's the next step? And 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 I'm worried about. I'm putting all of my worry and all my thought and all my energy into our farm and ranch. And what am I going to do? What are we going to? What's going to happen? And then after I got done thinking about that, I, the next thing I would think about is my kids. Like, I, I, just, I just need to be a good dad. I just need to make sure that I'm raising them. I got a brand new baby on the ground. I, like, what am I doing? And then the next thing that I do is, well, I, I, need to, I need to make sure I'm a good husband. I better hug my wife every once in a while and tell her I love her. But it seemed like that was so far distant from the farm and ranch that totally, totally encompassed what, what I was doing on a daily basis. And you know what? I didn't even think about God. I stopped praying. I stopped thinking about how he was going to get me through it. And I was so worried about myself. How, how am I going to get us, us through this situation? We're in a drought. We ain't getting no rain. I'm supposed to pray for rain. God isn't bringing rain. Like it doesn't even matter, right? You know, and, and I'll be honest with you. Last fall, Corey was gone doing some rodeoing too. And, and I was asked if I could fill in. And, and my excuse was, you know what? I, I'm pretty busy. I just don't have enough time. But if I was honest with you, it's because my heart ain't right. And I think I think that God was. Maybe he gave me that excuse to say because he didn't want me standing up here preaching (laughs) because my heart wasn't right. And we went through winter and it was last, well, it was last fall that I finally started realizing and it hit me like a, like a train. You know, God is supposed to be number one. Our spouse is number two. Our kids are number three. We can go into scripture and we can dive into that and find different places where that's true. Everything else after that gets lumped in or you can put it in whatever order you want to. And I'm going to say this, the ministry and me standing up here preaching, even though it's about God, it's not God. It's not number one. Ministry for me has got to be down here about four or five. But I was putting it in the wrong order. I was putting it in the wrong order. I wasn't putting God first. I wasn't putting my wife second. I wasn't putting my kids third. I wasn't doing it in the right order. And I'm going to tell you this, if you do it that way, if you put God first, your spouse comes pretty easily second. And she'll be okay with that. He'll be okay with that. Your kids pretty easily come number third, and you're going to give them all the time that they need because God is in control because He's number one. Everything else after that will come along. I I promise you that's the way that it's going to be. But that, I'm just saying, that was an instance in my life where I was disciplined. And did it hurt? Well, yeah, but it was my own gum doing. You know, so many of us, there's been times in my life where, where I know that, god is there i know he is present and and i can remember time eight years ago when we had that little girl and we're praying and we're praying and we're praying and i don't even know what the answers are supposed to look like and and there, there comes a point in my life where i'm like god i've been praying why aren't you answering why is it taking you so long to answer my prayers you know what i think god's answer back to me was why is it taking you so long to change your heart because I wanted it my way. You know, it's just like God tells us that that He is not slow as we think slowness to be, but He's patient. But maybe we're we're the ones being slow because our heart is hard, because we're not changing our heart. And maybe that's what He's saying. And that's what this old discipline thing is about. It's not about the bad things that happened to us and God allowing the bad things to happen to us, it's about how we react to the situation. Maybe I wasn't reacting right. I know I wasn't reacting right. Would have that changed how God answered my prayer? I don't know. But I can tell you this right now, I learned a lot from it. And that's what God wanted. He wanted something good to come out of this, and that's what happened. I tried to find a verse that just did just really. Solidified and backed up everything that I'm trying to say this morning, and 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 I, f- I was I was thinking of a verse in my head, and and I couldn't find it in the Bible, and I type type it into my phone on Google, and it kept going back to this one verse. I'm like, no, that's not it, that's not it, that's not it, and I'd keep typing it, word it different ways, because I like maybe Google will figure out what I'm trying to talk about. Well, it kept coming back to the same verse, so you know what? I'm going to use this verse, because <laughs> maybe God's like, use that one. 1 John chapter three. Verse nineteen, he's, it says, "We will know by this that we are of the truth, and will assure our heart before Him, in whatever our heart condemns us, for God is greater than our heart and knows all things." I actually looked this up in the Amplified version, and I know Adam has one. I wish I had an Amplified Bible here because I really like the way that it that it read that it that it worded it. God is greater than our hearts. He knows what's going on inside of us. He knows our secrets. There ain't nothing we can hide from Him. I don't know why we're trying to keep it from you. It says, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. This is, again, my cowboy Tucker Louth opinion, take it or leave it, however you want to, but this is the way God spoke to me. If our heart is condemning us, if our conscience is not clear about something that's going on in our life, it's pretty tough to have confidence before God. But it says, if our heart does not condemn us, then we have confidence before God. If my heart is condemning me, that means there's something inside of me that I need to fix. And maybe it's between me and another person. Maybe it's between me and God. I don't know. However you want to look at that. But as soon as my conscience can be clear, then we then we have confidence before God. And it's not that He doesn't have confidence in us. It's just that our own hearts we like. And that's the thing, don't we? Don't we have all this stuff that gets piled on top of us? And and we have sin, and, and we, we think, you know, just like in Sunday school, we were talking this morning about about our mind frame. And, and if we're always thinking about sin, then we're always, then, then there's, it, it's tough to change your way of thinking over to a thought of righteousness and going toward God. And, and it, it has to be, it's a transition. We transform our minds, right? Lost my train of thought trying to think about God. <laughs> if we keep thinking about that, we are not going to have confidence before God. We need to go and that is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, "Hey, the Spirit will convict us. The Spirit will convict us and and we know what's good. God's going to say, "Hey, something's wrong here. Change your heart." And for me, that's been the discipline. If your heart doesn't feel right, that's a discipline. When your heart gets right, and you have confidence before God. God's like, you made it you you did it right you did it right i'm going to invite the music team back up here i feel like that's just the tip of the iceberg of what discipline means but i hope that i hope that what god revealed to me hopefully it revealed something in your life too i feel like there's so much more that we can dive into but that's where i'm going to stop and i think on on discipline that is that's where I'm going to stop with that for right now. Um, but I want to go back just to, just one sentence in uh, in Revelation chapter 3. It says, those whom I love. And, you know, as, as a person who brings the word, I'm not going to call myself a preacher, a pastor. I, I don't have any letters behind my name that says that I'm okay to be doing what I'm doing. and It doesn't matter. God's given, given it to me, and that's what I'm doing. Those whom I love, I, I sat down at my desk downstairs in this little room. And I'm like, God, I don't even know where to start. And 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 as a guy bringing the word, sometimes there's verses in the Bible that is hard to preach because it's like, I don't know what to say about that. So I prayed, God, just reveal it to me. Whatever you want me to hear tonight, reveal it to me. And so I took my pen and my piece of paper and I just started writing it down. I'm like, I'm going to break it down word by word. And the first thing that it says in verse 19 is those. Okay, who is God talking to? This letter, this message, was written to the church at Laodicea. Jesus is speaking to the people in the church of Laodicea. What do we remember about the people in the church in Laodicea? They're non-believers. Am I saying that this letter isn't for those of us who are believers in this room? No, it's for you too. If you're a non-believer in this room, this is for you. He says, those whom I, I meaning Jesus, fully God, fully man. And the next word is love. Those whom I love. I want you to know that whether you're a believer or a non-believer, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Do you remember back in Genesis 126? God said, let us make man in our own image. He created every single one of you in his image, and he loves it. He loves you. That is our God. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. I don't know where you're at in your belief right now. We know that if you're a non-believer, then you're lukewarm. If you're a believer, you're hot or cold, you and you're you're good, but you're going to get disciplined because he loves you. Because he loves you. And when that hit me, I just sat back in my chair, and I realized something. We, we see how a, a aggressive and how abrasive this scripture can be when he says, I'm going I'm to vomit you out of my mouth. But then he goes on to tell that he loves us? Guys, this this letter, when I first read it, it sounds to me like hate mail. But after I realize that, it's a love letter. It's a love letter. He wants you to come to him. Quit thinking you can do it on your own. Quit thinking you can do it on your own. You're going to get disciplined. He's going to tell you where you go wrong. We're going to talk next week about repenting, and we're going to get to that. But he says, to him who overcomes... I will grant him that he can come sit on my stool. He has a place for us. Folks, I I pray that you're a believer. I pray that you believe in Jesus Christ. He is real and he loves you. And if you've never taken that step, today's the day. The biggest lie that the devil tells us is that we we have time. That we can wait. I'll just get a little bit better. Maybe I'll get rid of some of this stuff in our life. And then I'll accept Jesus. No, today's the day. Because what if you don't get tomorrow? What if it's gone? Many of us have had close calls in here. It's like, whoo. Sometimes maybe it woke us up. Sometimes maybe we were just like, thank you, Lord, did I have you. Today's the day. Eternity with God does not start the day that you get put in the grave. Eternity with God starts the day that you confess that Lord that Jesus Christ is Lord. Confess it with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Amen. Today's the day. Don't worry about cleaning your life up. He wants you just the way you are. He is so good. Let's pray. Father God, we just, we thank you for your word. And God this is the gospel from the beginning to the end from Genesis to Revelation God it is about your it is about you and your love and your grace for who you created and God you knew us before the foundation of the world was created you knew us before we were we were in our mother's womb God you love us God, we thank you so much for that. There's the stuff that we do, the sin that we have in our lives, whatever, all that stuff uh, it builds up and makes it it look like we're not presentable or we're not worthy. But God, you tell us that when we come to you that we are worthy. And God, we, as believers, we welcome your discipline. God, I pray that as we are, as we are disciplined that we can see that the, that there is good in it. And God, that you're just trying to correct us and make us more holy like you. God, not because of what we can do, but, but because of what you can do. Lord, we thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on that cross and, and take on all the punishment so that we don't have to, even though, even though we're the ones that deserved it. But God, you loved us that much that you would send your only son to die for us god this morning i just pray that that we can we can take that one sin that one sin that might be at the tip of our mind that one thing that we know isn't quite right in our life and god that we could go home this week sometime and just find a find a solitary place and and just give it to you sometimes lord it's so hard just to pack everything up and take it with us but maybe this week we can just take that one sin and, and 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 start getting that perseverance he talk about. God, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Stand with us and sing if you'd like to.